0: Good morning. I'm Daniel Wilson. I am your deacon of the week. Uh, you know, I was reading this week, and I uh, came across an article that said that today is International Sunday Supper Day. Uh, as Southern Baptist, it's just another Sunday. Uh, but the the point of the day was that it was encouraging families to ha- share a meal together, and. Uh, touch base with each other so my challenge for you this week is um, as our church family reach out to someone you haven't touched base with in a while and just see how they're doing and uh, let's pray Jesus thank you for today thank you for uh, another day on this earth Um, thank you for uh, the opportunity to worship together and uh, Lord uh, be with us through this service uh, be with Randy as he brings the message and help us to uh, put into practice what he, what he presents to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Please remain standing. Our gospel reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 3. We have just celebrated Advent and Christmas. The wise men have come and uh, now we begin our journey to the cross. And uh, we're not, we've got a little bit of time for that, but uh, let's read together. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, with one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you, I am well pleased. Luke three fifteen through 17, 21 through 22. Amen. You may be seated. Well, one of the reasons we are gathered in this place this morning is to remember again, to remind ourselves of the greatness of our God.
2: i Trusting it in his strength. strength.
1: who will come in the clouds and when he comes every eye will see him he is the first and the last the beginning and the end the one who was dead but now lives forevermore and the day is coming nothing can stop it when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the lord he is the king he is the judge of all the earth even now as we gather in this place, all of heaven is shouting out, worthy is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we say, who is like him? Who is like this God? Surely there is none. There is none like him.
2: So we worship. to 아... steal me from my place.
1: Amen. Let's stand together and read our psalm aloud together. We're going to ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox, The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks, strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Psalm
2: 29.
3: Shout out his praise or we clap his praise right either either way it's uh, it's all about uh, praising him. Well, this morning, I am uh, launching into uh, a series of messages from first uh, corinthians so but not today today we're going to visit Corinth in Acts chapter 18 in a few minutes. But just so you'll know, uh, over the next few weeks, uh, we will be exploring, just walking through kind of paragraph by paragraph First uh, Corinthians. So along with your reading the Bible in 90 days, you might want to also read First Corinthians a little bit along as as you go. And in this in this season of transition in the life of our church i i, I you know we're in a time of prayer and so i want to just lead us as we pray uh, before we get into the message this morning so let's pray together father we are grateful to you for the way you are working among us and the way you're working through us and we ask you now to continue to work in the power of your spirit in and through the life of this body in the community. And in this season, Lord, we come before you. And today, to, I, I just, I just want to pray for our, our new pastor. And, and that feels a little weird to me, but, but you know who he is. And I pray that you will bless him and use in his current ministry setting. And that you will use his experience there to equip him to be what we need in this community uh, in your time uh, in the future. And so I pray your rich, rich blessing upon him. I pray, I pray for our committee and, uh, when we, and the process of getting to committee. And just ask you, Lord, to, to completely guide every step of the way give us clarity so that we understand and see God is at work in this. And then we can then we can ascribe to your name, glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So in Acts chapter 18, Paul made a visit to the city of Corinth that was on his second missionary journey when he came to Corinth. And so Luke records, this, records it this way in Acts chapter 18, uh, beginning with verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, and recent, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to the preaching, to testify, and testifying to Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook off out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood will be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius, Justice, the, a worshiper of God, Crispus. The synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Well, welcome to Corinth. When Paul arrived in the city of Corinth, it was on his second missionary journey. It was a relatively new city. The city had been completely destroyed, and about a hundred years before Paul's arrival, Julius Caesar had rebuilt the city and resettled it as a Roman colony. Corinth was a major um, center of commerce. Uh, on the Isthmus, it had, uh, which is only about three and a half miles wide, uh, Corinth uh, had two ports, one on the east, one on the west, and so it was a, it was a center for east-west trade uh, in, the, in the region. Corinth was, was um, the Corinthians were proud people. They boasted of wealth, culture, the world-famous Isthmus Games, and um, they had a little political pride as well because they were the capital of Achaia. The, the the Corinthians were religious. Um, they worshipped uh, Aphrodite, the goddess of love; Apollo, the of the god of sun; and Asclepius, the god of healing. So they, much like Athens, was very much a pagan city uh, with with idols and temples and to to uh, pagan gods. But there was also in this city, um, the worship of of God, because there was a Jewish a settlement there uh, in Corinth when Paul arrived. Um, Corinth was also um, rec- commonly recognized as an immoral city. It may have been the original sin city, you know, when you stop and think about it. In fact, the the the, the Greek word that's often translated to, uh, to live like a Corinthian means to live immorally. So it's a very immoral, dark city. And Corinth, Corinth was, was greatly in need of a church to impact the city with the gospel. And while Clinton bears little resemblance to Corinth, Ours also is a city greatly in need of church to impact the city with the gospel. The spiritual climate in Corinth um, was hostile toward uh, the planting of this new church. And many times in our community, we face a little hostility uh, in our own and resistance in our own environment. The Jews opposed Paul and they became abusive. Uh, Verse 6 tells us this. The Jews in Corinth, they they united together and they made this attack upon Paul and they brought him before the proconsul, And and, and because because they did not like his style of worship, (laughs) they brought him they brought him up on these on these charges. And of course the pro-council said, This is a church thing. I'm not having anything to do with it. Uh take care of it yourself. And so um, this, this crowd was they were hostile uh in their and, and, and so when the pro-council said I'm not having anything to do with it, they turned on their leader and they just beat up their own leader, you know. So, you know, a lot of times that happens in the life of churches, by the way, and in denominations. When we don't like something, we just abuse the people who are in, in leadership. And not that you should, by the way, that's not that's not a model to follow. It's just stating this sometimes happens. Um, the lesson for us in this is a, a church, a church seeking to impact a city, should expect some resistance some opposition, because the evil one does not want us to impact this city with the gospel. He just doesn't. And so we can expect some resistance. So out of the story of Paul's planting this church in Corinth, we've, we find three applications for our church today— Luke's, Luke's snapshot of Paul's ministry in Corinth sheds some light on our ap- approach to, this, to, to our own city as well. The church to impact the city is focused on the gospel. You know, as you read Luke's story, of Paul in Corinth, it becomes very obvious that, that the focus is on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every Sabbath, Paul was in the synagogue. He was reasoning with the, trying to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. He had joined up with Priscilla and Aquila who were tent makers. And so he was, he was, was working. And then on the Sabbath, He was persuading, attempting to persuade them to come to confess, to recognize that Jesus is Messiah. In verse uh, verse 5, it says, Paul, after Timothy and Silas came, Paul um, devoted himself exclusively to preaching, to testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So his whole focus, the whole focus of his message is Jesus is Messiah and and he stayed he stayed in Corinth for a year and a half and Luke says he stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God so when we look to to impact our city it must be a gospel impact we're not we're not here to do social work we're here to do gospel work. We're not here we're not here to just help people. We're here to bring transformation. You see, and so our focus, the focus of to impact the city must be a gospel-centered, Jesus-centered approach. Now, we may do all kinds of things in the process, but at the core of it all is is Jesus. And every action is accomplished in the name of Jesus. And so when, when you give a cup of cold water, it's not just a cup of cold water. It's a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. And when you give a meal, it's not just a meal. It's a meal in the name of Jesus. And when you share a witness of what God has done in your life, it's not just a testimony about you. It's the story about how he is at work in your life and through your life to make a difference in the community where we live. The message, the message is timeless. But the methods have a lifespan. And, our, and the, the second application is the church to impact the city is flexible in its approach. So, we Watch Paul as he works through here, he partners with Aquila and Priscilla, who had recently come from Rome. Um, and, and, and their effort was to reach the Jews and to reach out to God fearing Greeks, people who had come to who had become interested in the God of the Jews. And so they were focused upon. Reaching them. Then Paul and Aquila and Priscilla are engaged in this bivocational ministry, if you will, where they are making tents and sharing the gospel. So I don't know that we have tent makers among us, literal tent makers, but we have people who are employed, and the principle is we we go to work. And we do our work, and in the context of doing our work, we share the gospel with the people around us, and we help them hear the message of Jesus, which can transform their lives. When Timothy and Silas came to Macedonia, they took over They took over the work side, the tent-making side for Paul, and Paul then was freed up to do full-time his ministry of preaching and testifying and and trying to persuade the Jewish population of the city of Corinth, Jesus is the Messiah. And so as he, as he does, as he focuses his energy full time, um, it's a different approach than what they had before. You know, now he's, he's putting all of his energy into it. And of course, when he started doing that, The opposition increases, and and this opposition leads Paul in a totally new direction. Now, we know from Paul's experience back in Acts chapter 9, when he was saved on the road to Damascus, that God had said to him then that he he would be a light to the Gentiles. He would have a message for the Gentiles. But everywhere Paul goes, he goes first to the Jews. He goes to the synagogue. He tries to persuade them to, to, that Jesus is Messiah. But now in Corinth, he makes this major, major shift. He says to the Jewish population in uh, Corinth, okay, I've done everything I can do with you. You are resistant. You're not, you know, so you're on your own. You're on your own. From now on, I am going to focus my attention upon the Gentiles in this city. I'm going to the Gentiles with the message of, of that Jesus is the Messiah. And so what, what Paul does is he, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just keep beating his head against the wall trying to get the, the Gentiles to respond. He goes to the responsive audience. He goes to the people who are willing to listen and pay attention and respond. And it's much like the principle that Luke gives us in Luke chapter nine, uh, 10 when Jesus sends the disciples out and he tells them, when you go into the city, look for a person of peace. Find someone in the city who's open and responsive. Go to the responsive people and link up with the responsive people and stay with them and and work with them. And so Paul goes to uh, the responsive people in the city of Corinth. He, he, he leaves, literally, leaves the synagogue, and he goes next door to the house of justice. And, and of course, they have a... And, and the synagogue leader was paying attention so he must have made the trip over to the house with him, and then Luke tells us that this, that Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Christians or Corinthians who had heard Paul believed and were baptized. This shift in direction resulted in people hearing and responding and publicly declaring their faith through baptism, if Paul had not made the shift, he would have just been up against Jewish opposition. But because he was, because he was flexible, he, was, he, recognized, he recognized that methods come and go. They have life cycles. They have life spans, and we we must ever be looking for fresh, new ways to reach out to our city, as Paul continued to do this. But it's not the methods that matter. What what makes the real difference is is this sense of calling, the sense of commission which was on Paul's life. And a church to impact the city is fueled by divine commissioning. Paul had this vision in the night. And the voice of the Lord spoke to him. And the, 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 the message which came to him is just like the messages that came to the prophets and others as they were commissioned to do specific assignments for Jesus. And because because Luke records them in Acts and we get it, it's for us as well. So Paul received, he received a word of encouragement in his commission, recommission at this point, a specific commission for the city of Corinth, Do not be afraid. You know, here he is. He's up against all this opposition. The only friend he has in town is the pro-council who simply refuses to to act because he's dealing with with religious matters and Aquila and Priscilla. You know, he's kind of on his own out there. But, so, the messenger of the Lord says, Don't be afraid. You're going to enter. You're going to do some new things. You're going to try some things you've never tried before. But don't be afraid. Just don't be afraid. He gives him this word of encouragement. Then he gives him gives him a task, and the task is keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Well, that's a word for all of us. So a lot of us are fearful to share our faith. Don't be afraid. We've been given a task. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Tell the story of how God's at work in your life. Share with your friends, neighbors, families these these God moments. You don't have to preach a whole sermon, but you just bear witness to this grace that God's doing in your life. Sometimes it is a It is as simple as just out loud saying thank you Jesus in the presence of people who are not prone to thanking Jesus for anything. You see? So, don't make this harder than it has to be. God's at work in you and through you. He's changed your life. He's in the process of continuously changing your life. He will use you. He will use you in your workplaces and at schools and and wherever we go in this city so the so Paul was given this this task keep on speaking do not be silent and then he was given a promise the promise of the pres- of God's presence for i am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because i have many people in this city and he was he was given this he was given this Assurance of the presence of God with Him when, when in this in the city, and the the result the result is Paul. Paul has his first extended stay. Up to this point, he would move into a city and he would stay two or three uh, Sabbaths because he would go to the synagogues and try to persuade them and. And then he would move on to another city. And his, the missionary journeys are made up of just short stays in a variety of places. But now, Paul has his first extended stay. He stays for a year and a half in Corinth, teaching the Word of God. But not only, not only do we see him with this extended stay... When we look at the work of Paul's writings, his most extensive writing is to the Corinthians. Wrote them four letters altogether. We have two uh, uh, and perhaps part of a third one. One of them, one of them is missing. But he wrote this most extensive his most extensive writing is to this church in Corinth. And, and so, when, when, we, when we begin to think about what it takes to reach our city for Christ, I have a question, I have a question for all of us to wrestle with. Do you, do you just live in Clinton or, or are you commissioned to live here? Do you just live here because you've always lived here? Or is, or is there upon your life a sense of commission? See, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're all commissioned. And we're not just commissioned generally, we're commissioned specifically. And you and I live in this community for a specific purpose. And the specific purpose we live in this community is not to fish and hunt and play. It's not to work. It's to, as Matthew said, make disciples. Make disciples. Matthew said, go make disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age so your life and my life is a commissioned life and we have been planted in this community to fulfill God's call and commission in our lives and as a result we're not we don't just we don't just live here i, I hope this morning to stretch your mind about why you're here in Clinton, Missouri. You're here to make disciples. You don't just live here. You're here to make disciples. And so the question for each one of us the follow-up question for each one of us is, am I making disciples? Am I, do I have a few people in my life I'm pouring into to help them understand the gospel better? Do I have a friend or a neighbor in whom I'm making some kind of investment in their life through friendship, to share the gospel with them? Am I I offering the cup of cold water or the meal? Not just to give out food or drink, but to share the gospel. Am I making disciples? Am I making disciples? You live here to make disciples here. Now, the commission takes us beyond just here, but it focuses us first here. Are you making disciples here? The way we impact the city is by making disciples, only transform lives. Bring about transformed communities, and perhaps, perhaps this morning, as I've spoken to the church and challenged believers today, and you're not yet a believer. I want to I want to turn Polish for just a moment, and ask you, would you would you consider becoming a follower of Jesus? Would you consider becoming a disciple of Jesus? Paul went to people in Corinth and he told them, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who has come to bring redemption for your life and for my life. Jesus is the one who died on the cross for your sin and for mine. Jesus is the one who rose from the dead Jesus is the one whose blood can make you clean. Would you, would you consider becoming one of his followers, his disciple? This morning we give you the opportunity to become a disciple of Jesus if you've never confessed him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Um, in a moment we're going to stand together, we're going to sing, uh, and as we sing, um, I, I will trust, I will trust, will you trust Him? Will you trust Him with your life? Step one in becoming a disciple of Jesus, trusting Him with your life, but now as a believer. As believers in the room, step one of making impact in the city. Step one of fulfilling the call, God's calling on your life and mine in this community is trust him. Trust him. Will you trust him? That's the question today. We stand together. As we sing, if you join us online this morning, we invite you to go to our website, firstbaptistclinton.church. Click, and you're interested in becoming a follower of Jesus, click the I want Jesus in my life button, or you may text or call me. This is my personal number, 660-890-4150. Let's have the conversation about you becoming a follower of Jesus. If you're in the room today, While we sing, we want to ask you just to step out from where you're standing, come to the front and share with us your desire to declare, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Or if you're looking for a church home, we'd welcome members at this time. We exist to fulfill the Great Commission by loving people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Come join with us. Maybe today, maybe today the Spirit of God has opened your eyes to see you don't just live in Clinton. You are commissioned as his disciple in this community. And you want to just come, kneel on the altar, and pray over this community and pray over your life and involvement here.